This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I'm joined on today's show by David Maureen, the Senior Director of Retail and Client Strategy at Narvar. David and I are going to talk a little bit about Narvar and some of the trends it's seeing over the last year, and particularly consumer behavioral trends and uh, returning behaviors as well, product returns, and kind of what uh, David's seen and kind of also what he's looking for going forward. So thank you for joining me on today's show, David. Thanks for having me, Joe. Excited to be here. Great. Well, uh, let's jump right into it. So to get us started, tell us a little bit about uh, your role uh, and your career background, and then tell us a little bit about Narvar as well, for those that might not be familiar with the company. Great. Yeah, so as, as you had uh, nicely introduced, I'm currently residing as the Senior Director of Retail and Client Strategy here at Narvar. Uh, my primary responsibility at Narvar is to oversee our customer success team globally. Our customer success team is our team of phenomenal individuals who take care of all of our existing customers helping them see value and continued success um, on all of the products that we offer on the Narvar platform. My background is in retail and retail technology. I started out uh, over a decade ago, actually working on the sales floor at Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus, and that really kind of wet my passion for retail, customer service, and customer experience. Um, since then, I've grown through a lot of different technology companies. And if I look back on my career, I would say, the common thread for me is the intersection of retail and technology and how retail and technology blended can really help uh, improve overall customer experience. I think that very naturally led me to Narvar. Uh, so for those who might be unfamiliar with Narvar, Narvar is the leader in post-purchase customer experience. We work with over 1,100 retailers and brands around the globe, really helping them improve the end-to-end post-purchase journey, everything from setting customer expectations early on in the checkout cycle with really great uh, and intelligent dates or estimated delivery dates, uh, providing seamless experiences around the tracking and communication of the delivery status, and then working with our retailers to better improve the overall returns journey as well. Um, so looking at uh, the whole post-purchase experience. Great. I think that provides a, a really uh, a comprehensive overview of, of not only your career, David, but also uh, some information in regards to Narvar, um, which kind of helps set the stage for today's conversation. Uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, and we want to talk a little bit about some of the trends that you've seen, particularly over the last year, year and a half, as it relates to consumer buying and returning behaviors. What are you seeing in the market? Yeah, well, I think for everyone, the last uh, 12, 18, 24 months have been uh, wild and crazy, of course, um, with all of us going through the global pandemic. I think when we look at what we've seen from a shopping, e-commerce, and retail behavior, what we've seen is really a lot of acceleration of a lot of the trends that were already in place. Um, I think some of the notable ones that we've seen is a continued shift to direct-to-consumer companies and direct-to-consumer buying. Um, so especially for brands that might have previously relied on a diverse channel of a marketing and distribution mix, uh, maybe like the Nikes of the world, uh, they really have seen tremendous growth in growing their direct-to-consumer business. I think why we've seen that uh, is a couple of things. One, of course, everyone went home in the pandemic, uh, and so they were online more, um, which really allowed some of these brands to better connect uh, directly with their customers. Uh, and two, because we all went online, what we've seen as a uh, Narvar is that many consumers were more likely to try out new brands or new buying channels in the pandemic. Um, again, a lot of this was already in place pre-pandemic, 
Um, but with everyone going home and a lot of the industry shifting directly to digital channels, we've seen that huge growth. I would say the next thing that we've seen and maybe one of the things I'm most excited about is how more and more retailers have really connected the physical and digital experiences to drive um, better overall in-to-end purchase and delivery journeys. Uh, Pre-COVID, I would say many brands were already offering um, a lot of diverse uh, delivery options. So something like a buy online pickup and store program or a store pickup program or a ship to store program. But the pandemic really forced retailers to quickly evolve their service offerings as a way to respond to the market dynamics. I would say for me personally, probably the favorite uh, trend that I saw was curbside pickup. Uh, before the pandemic, I had never tried that. But over the last two years, I've done curbside pickup with at least five different retailers uh, and really have been excited and energized by the convenience that it offers. Um, also really inspired by the nimbleness of retailers to quickly evolve their service offerings to provide things that are more convenient, uh, safe, uh, and faster in many ways. Um, I think, you know, at first curbside was a COVID necessary, but as we look to the future, I think this just becomes another tool and a retailer's toolkit um, that really allowed them to grow their different shopping and delivery channels. So both of those are maybe on the consumer end. I think what we've also seen is more uh, on the back end, right? So I think very publicly uh, publicized is the overall slowdown of supply chain and logistics networks. I think a lot of that has been uh, maybe communicated more on the upstream side. So manufacturing and materials. Uh, I know most of us as consumers that have been home doing home renovation or home, home furnishing have really felt that pain point with furniture as many um, kind of because of the supply chain and the slowdown of that supply chain, people have a delay of goods. But I think also what we've seen is in some cases a impact and or slowdown on what we would typically refer to as last mile delivery. So the things that actually get purchases to consumers. Um, early on in the pandemic, I think we saw that uh, a lot more significantly. Where we are now, I think, is more retailers responding by diversifying their logistics networks to include a combination of national and regional carriers and an effort to really increase delivery speed and reliability. And then finally, I would say, you know, the last trend and all this kind of leads to it is um, as more consumers are shopping purely digitally, uh, as more consumers are at home, it also has led to a significant uptick in digital or online returns, um, which I think is a, the next wave of the post-purchase optimization journey and really thinking about how retailers can use digital and online returns uh, as a competitive advantage. So you mentioned uh, the increase, obviously, as more consumers are shopping digitally, uh, because of the pandemic, some of that browsing behavior that might have taken place typically in store, uh, a couple categories that I think immediately of our apparel and footwear. So, you know, they might have gone into the store to try on a pair of pants or shirts or whatever the product is. Um, that browsing behavior and that purchasing has been taking place online um, more frequently and then thus leading to more returns. So what are some of the primary challenges that you foresee or see have seen with retailers um, dealing with these increased returns. Yeah, absolutely. I think to your point, um, shopping behavior and, and browsing behavior is inherently changed online. Uh, you know, a lot of retailers are investing in, um, you know, a lot of tools online like a fit service and reviews to be able to better communicate um, what a good might be like. But it's hard to replicate that, um, you know, tactile and physical experience of actually trying something on. I think one challenge that we've seen on that end is an increase in consumers who are doing what we often refer to as bracketing, 
which is buying multiple sizes online with the intention of um, keeping one, but needing to try on at first uh, as ways to uh, kind of mimic that in-store trying experience. In terms of some of the challenges, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, if people are buying multiple, multiple of the same item in different sizes, that inherently is going to create some inventory challenges for retailers. Um, you know, having more goods sit out in an unsellable state, unsure when they're coming back, and also where that inventory is sitting and you know, heading back to. And I think the other thing that's, you know, really common as well is that with the shift to purely digital returns, uh, or not purely, but, you know, a dominant purely return, digital returns, is that there's an increased cost structure as well. I think it's pretty commonly aware that digital or mail returns might be more expensive for a retailer's bottom line. And so having a new um, kind of focus on that, I think we're starting to see a lot more relevant. See, at the same time though, it opens up a lot of new opportunity for retailers. Um, so what we've seen is that as more retailers have been doing more digital returns, it's really allowed them to collect a lot richer and better data around who's returning, what they're returning, uh, really critically, I would say why they're returning. And how can they use that data to better understand their customer, build better customer profiles and merchandise profiles, and use that data to optimize their return flow uh, and purchase flow to reduce return rate in the future? So I wanted to follow up, David, and, and the part, you know, the second part of your answer around the cost structure. Um, you know, typically, you know, in such a competitive environment, especially online, things such as free returns, free shipping have become almost standard. They've become an expectation for a lot of consumers. Uh, given that there are increase in returns um, and there's a cost, obviously, for the, re for the retailer, where do you see free returns? Do you think this is something that's going to continue to be a, a, a service that retailers are going to have to provide to, to stay competitive? Or maybe you think free returns are, are going to be going away. What, what do you foresee going forward with, with the free returns that many retailers are now currently offering? Yeah, I think, um, of course, as a consumer, free returns are great. Uh, NARA has done a number of uh, consumer studies, and what we've seen is that return fees or return costs typically are a primary consideration point for consumers when they're making a, a purchase, and also may be a reason why they would choose not to purchase with a retailer. At the same time, we've done a number of different analysis of what return policies look like in the industry, um, and you know, the uh, notion of charging returns at least for returns at least some of the time is fairly common in the industry. So as we look at what we think the future of returns look like, um, I do not think free returns will ever go away completely. Um, but I think what might change is uh, the ubiquitousness of a free returns policy. I think there will always be brands where free returns make sense. Uh, maybe it is a, uh, a luxury good or a a high price point good where it's really about taking care of your customer for that uh, luxury or um, you know, high price point experience. I also think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for retailers to think about how to use uh, free returns as another tool in their toolkit to either incentivize behavior or reward customers. Already we've seen a number of different retailers who might be using that type of strategy to better service maybe a VIP customer or a loyalty customer. Um, another interesting strategy that I've seen as well is um, using free returns as a mechanism to encourage consumers to return faster. So as we talked about, you know, one of the potential challenges of having an increase in digital returns is having the unpredictability about knowing when a good is going to come back and the time that it's sitting outside of a retailer's own inventory to be resellable. 
So if you could offer free returns, let's say in the first 10 days or first 15 days, it might be a, a really great way for consumers to return faster for goods they know they're, they're always going to return anyway. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on one of the, the points you just made and, uh, and get your perspective, David, on what you're seeing in the industry in terms of tying in free returns potentially with loyalty. Um, and, and you see that kind of transitioning and, and then uh, many retailers moving that way in terms of making free returns or the number of returns a customer can make per, you know, whether it's on a monthly or annual basis and kind of tying that into loyalty as well. Do you have any thoughts there? Absolutely. You know, personalization, I think, has long been only associated with acquisition. How do you target a customer to buy again? Uh, and of course, there's many great companies and many great retailers who do personalization from an acquisition strategy phenomenally well. Um, I think we're all accustomed to that as consumers. I think the next wave of that really becomes how do you personalize the returns experience, either based on loyalty or membership status or purchase history? Uh, I think that area is pretty nascent in the market today. Um, I think when a recent study that we did, only about 9% of the Fortune 100 retailers that we surveyed have a publicized personalization uh, returns offering. Though I think we, we know just from the stories we hear from our retailers, as well as kind of our experience in the market, that there are likely many more who are doing that on a maybe non-publicized basis. Um, but absolutely, if we think about where the next wave of how to really improve your post-purchase experience, how to reward your most loyal and value customers, and also to protect your bottom line, offering a diverse set of return strategies, whether it means um, offering different lengths of time based on the type of good or uh, loyalty status, um, having a different cost structure depending on what is the goods that are being returned or the profile of someone's being returned, um, are all really great ways um, for retailers to really think about how to evolve their return strategy. Um, again, to benefit both the consumer, uh, repeat purchases, high value customers, and also to be a little bit more efficient from an operational perspective. When you say benefit the consumer, um, you know, returns you know, can be oftentimes a, a headache for the shopper. Um, with the digital boom that we've seen over the last you know, close to two years at this point, has there been any progress to alleviate that pain point for many retailers? What, what can be done, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of consumers are making purchase decisions uh, uh, based upon a retailer's return program, a return policy, um, and they're comparing one policy against another. Tell us a little about how retailers can kind of alleviate the pain points that could come with a, with a returns experience. Yes, absolutely. I think we've all felt uh, that pain before. Uh, you have this item that you bought, you need to return it, and it might be difficult to get it back. Um, I think just sitting here at my desk, I have two boxes next to me that um, I need to return. Uh, and one of the primary reasons why I haven't is that um, my computer doesn't hook to my printer, my printer's out of ink. And so this challenge of printing a label um, is a friction point for many consumers. What we saw in the pandemic is that many consumers went home, obviously, they were no longer in office. Uh, many people like myself often use the office printer to print a label. And so a lot of uh, younger consumers and don't have printers today. So what we've seen both at Narvar and kind of widely in the industry is more and more retailers investing in more ways that consumers can um, actually execute returns beyond just having to print a label. Uh, I think QR code returns or what we would often call a printer's returns is a really great example. Uh, Pre-COVID, we offer that on the Narvar platform. Uh, through COVID and post-COVID, what we've seen is a significant uptick in the amount of consumers who are adopting or engaging with a printerless return method. I think maybe uh, 
uh, something's really interesting to me is QR codes have long existed, um, but I never really saw the adoption of QR codes across the greater society. But as uh, more people became familiar with QR codes through the pandemic, having to order from restaurants using a QR code, what we've seen is that also extend to increased adoption of QR codes and other channels, um, especially for consumers who might not have access to a printer. Uh, I would also say we've seen a number of different retailers really think about um, diversifying the physical locations where returns can be dropped off. Uh, I think Amazon's a really great example of that, and they've been doing this for a while, uh, which is partnering with other convenient physical locations where consumers might already be going in order to make that returns process a little bit easier, a little bit better. So there's the Amazon and Kohl's partnership. Um, you know, Amazon also very uh, publicly works with Whole Foods as well as, a, as its parent company. But even outside of Amazon, we've seen uh, retailers on our platform and other ways really offer other convenient drop-off locations um, to be able to actually facilitate that returns process. And I think we see a lot of excitement there going forward as well. So different ways that we might be able to offer consumers uh, boxless returns, uh, maybe we can schedule to have someone come pick up a return at your house, really kind of thinking through the consumer lens of how do you make that process easier for consumers in order to win loyalty and lifetime, uh, repeat purchases. Now, I, I think I'm probably the same as many consumers. If I'm trying out a new brand when I'm shopping online, one of the first things I check is what is the return policy uh, and what is it going to be like if this good doesn't work out? And I think that's especially important as you're trying new brands. So for the brands who really do returns well and will continue to do it well, I think you know, having convenient options, diverse options that really speak to a variety of different consumer types uh, will really be the winning strategies that we see going forward. And based upon that, David, how do you foresee, um, you talked about the, the purchase experience with buy online pickup in store, uh, curbside pickup of online orderings, but also conversely, uh, returning of items. So buy online, returning in store, even returning at curbside. How do you foresee, you talk about that convenient experience that's going to get the customer uh, to come back and shop with your brand again. Tell me a little bit about how you foresee those types of services um, playing a, a factor in, in retailers' return strategies going forward. Absolutely. You know, we know that uh, many retailers are focused on driving that store traffic back to their stores. And so finding creative ways to get customers to stores, I think it's going to continue to be um, a primary tenant for uh, retailers who do have physical store locations. You know, something that I've been really excited by is even coming out of COVID, how many of retailers are announcing uh, phenomenal store growth and physical locations. I think maybe pre-COVID, there was this notion that the store was dead or the physical store was dead. And what we've really seen is that uh, the store might is not dead, but it might be changing its purpose. Um, so maybe a, a store is going to be more of an experiential center where you can allow customers to try your goods. Um, on the returns end, it also becomes a compelling location to actually drop off a return or facilitate that. So I think what we'll see is a lot more uh, smaller format stores in more strategic locations that allow more convenience for consumers, but also would act as both fulfillment and consolidation hubs for retailers to be able to better manage uh, inventory in a more strategic and regionalized way. With that in mind, David, are there any examples of, of particular retailers that you think are doing a really nice job at, at creating a seamless and hassle-free returns experience that's going to kind of create those types of uh, experience that consumers are looking for? I think by and large, most retailers in the e-commerce industry are doing returns well, though, of course, there's always room to, to get better. 
Uh, one of the favorite stories that I would love to share from the pandemic is working with a really large global uh, apparel retailer and helping them optimize and transform their returns into end experience. You know, originally this retailer used both Narvar digital labels to uh, provide labels to consumers, as well as in parallel providing consumers with a shipping label directly in the box. I think the legacy thinking in the industry has been that uh, providing a consumer with a prepaid label in the box was the ultimate in consumer-focused returns. I think we've seen a lot of evolution of that thinking. Uh, in 2020, we did three things with this retailer. One, we added in the printerless QR code returns that we talked about that provided another option for consumers who didn't have a printer at home, who wanted to be more sustainable, or who uh, liked that contactless or contact-free path to returning. Two, uh, one thing we haven't talked about, but also really uh, important to improving the returns experience is they added in additional communication touch points on the return shipping journey that provided even more transparency to the consumer about the status of the returns and more importantly, the status of the actual refund. And then third, they removed the label from the box last year. This retailer saw phenomenal results in all these three changes to the tune that they actually saw a 15% increase in measurable customer satisfaction related to the overall returns experience. This is huge. Like we know in the industry that even the smallest increases in customer satisfaction can lead to measurable increases in annual revenue in the form of consumer loyalty, repeat purchases. So you know, really thinking about how do you optimize your returns experience to make it the best overall for consumers can have huge and measurable uh, dividends and returns for years to come. So taking a, a kind of a forward-looking uh, approach here, um, we're still in the midst of the holiday shopping season, but obviously following that, uh, the one of the busiest times of the year for returns is obviously right after the holidays are over, January. Um, talk a little bit about what you foresee in terms of the future of returns, especially as e-commerce increasingly becomes the preferred way to shop for so many consumers. I think uh, as we look forward, and yes, I think we're all looking towards holiday, uh, certainly is predicted to be one of the biggest holiday seasons in record. I think we'll continue to see the growth of e-commerce channels um, throughout holiday. Um, that, of course, will lead to a very likely huge return season um, starting around mid-December and heading into January and then beyond. I think as we look at that, uh, I think we'll continue to see more retailers focus on uh, winning strategies that do two things at once, uh, offer consumer convenience while also being uh, operationally efficient for the retailer. So again, thinking about that Amazon model, how do you incentivize consumers to uh, return faster through uh, easy choices, better methods, um, while also being able to use those methods as a way to better operationalize your own systems? So having more consolidated returns, um, I think as we talked about, continue to see that uh, growth of a personalization around return strategy. Um, some of the trends that we've seen are more retailers refunding earlier on in the returns process. So potentially offering a early refund to VIP customers or a certain type of good as a way to get dollars back into the consumer's pocket faster so that they can repurchase again. And then, like I said as well, um, really, uh, a diversification of uh, different channels, both physical and digital, and unique partnerships between brands, wholesalers, and retailers um, to allow maybe retailers who don't have physical stores um, a way to offer their consumers a place to return goods physically, um, or even kind of the growth of the physical store again. So having a brand channel and a return hub and a fulfillment hub 
all in a, a really localized and easy to access way. Great. Well, um, before we wrap up, uh, and thank you for joining me, David, and often offering all these great insights and, and your expertise for our audience, I wanted to give you the opportunity for those that want to learn a little bit more uh, about Narvar and the solutions it offers and its platform and how it can help in the post-purchase experience for customers, particularly related to product returns. Where would you direct them? I guess I would encourage all of uh, everyone listening to visit our website for more information. That is narvar.com. Um, it's a great resource to learn more about what we do, how we do it, and who we do it with, um, and other helpful resources heading into holiday. Great. Well, I want to take this opportunity to thank David Morin, who is the Senior Director of Retail and Client Strategy at Narvar, for joining us on today's episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. Thank you, David. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcast for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.